3AW is football. Here's your host, Tim Lane. And it's good to have you with us on 3AW Saturday Football, a triple header ahead. We start at Marvel Stadium. It's going to be Essendon and Port Adelaide at 1.45. Big game. We'll describe the scenario in a little while. Fremantle and Geelong at twilight over in Perth, courtesy of 6PR. And tonight, the Demons and the Tigers from the MCG. But before all of that, our Saturday pre-match, Lee Matthews is back, Caro's here, Jimmy Bartell as well. And we want you to join us on the Nick Theodosi Prestige Cars open line, 96 900 693 or 131332. Would be interested in your thoughts on last night and what you were watching. Did you predominantly watch football or cricket? I'd imagine there would be a heck of a lot of surfers who went backwards and forwards. Certainly I did plenty of that. But where was your dial predominantly tuned last night? 96900693 or 13.13.32. We've got Sean Higgins from the Kangaroos coming up shortly. North after a slow start. Got it done against Hawthorne by 22 points. In fact, they kicked 11-12 to 5-6 after quarter time. Hawthorne made another bright start but then got bogged and uh, went absolutely nowhere. Also in pre-match, Ken Hinckley, the under-siege, Caro, Port Adelaide coach. Yep. And Joe Danaher joining us as well. Really looking forward to a chat with Joe, who's missed most of another season of football. Ken Hinckley can win the next four games and make the finals, and all is happy with the world of Port Adelaide. Today (laughs) would be the toughest on paper of those four games and you know they're a sneaky chance against Essendon you're just not quite sure what the Bombers are going to do but lose three of the four and I'm a bit fearful of um, what might happen at Port Adelaide it's all so, down to the coach Lee oh, it's always down to the coach is that a ramification I mean we're very in an interesting, interesting time that we've co- we've popped up three geniuses of coaches that have popped into interim roles we've just discovered them three of them but the ramifications of the good performances of the three clubs under the three interim coaches is a lot more pressure on the Ken Hinckley's, Ross Lyons, even Don Pike. He's only been at the Crows for four years. But those coaches have been there four, five, six years. All of a sudden, oh, this is a new coach and a new voice. Can that get more out of our group? Well, even even so Clark, pressure. Even Clarko can only go a quarter now. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Ken Hinckley hasn't lost the players like Don Pike, and we'll talk about that mm. a bit later. Lost the players. I'm absolutely convinced that the majority, certainly at least half, but probably the what majority the of Adelaide players... Term, when you say lost yeah. the players, what, what is the definition They've of lost, lost faith the in the coach. They're lost. not happy with one of his key assistants, and they don't think that their football department is the football department that Andrew Fagan promised back in 2014. One of the, I think, yep. he'd, he, when he became, or just after he'd become CEO of the Adelaide Crows. You, you talk to any other club at the moment, Lee, and managers are ringing those clubs and saying that there are players at Adelaide who want out. Yep. And, that, and I, yep. I'm, I'm hearing yep. that a lot more about Adelaide than any other club. Port Adelaide is a victim of its own identity. Port Adelaide expects to win the Premiership every year. This goes back to the Sandful days, Tim. You, you look at their circumstance and you look at Adelaide's circumstance and you go, why is Ken Hinckley under pressure? They've blooded these 
great three young kids and re-sign them. They all want to stay. They all want to be there. There is so much hope to me from the Port Adelaide Football Club and yet they've been inconsistent and there seems to be a disalignment between the board and the footy department there. Caro, um, and g'day Tim and, and Lee as well. Caro, how much, you, you mentioned Port Adelaide, I guess they're a victim of their own you know, success, their proud history and also how proud they are of former greats and, and things like that. You, you when you go to Adelaide and you listen to it, especially Port Adelaide in particular, more than Adelaide, is Ken's not one of our own. You know, the whole Victorian coming in and coaching. When things go bad, yep. how much is that actually a factor for Port Adelaide? Uh, look, I, th- I think it's a factor. I certainly think it's a factor, but I don't think it's the factor. Yep. I mean, some of their great names now are Victorians, you know, aren't mm. they, who've been there. But it's interesting. You look at the dynamic of the board. They've brought in, you know, favourite sons or sons of favourite sons like Darren Cale and Gavin mm. Wanganeen. Yep. Anyway, Tim, you're looking a bit agitated, no. so I'll defer to you. Well, it's just that we've got Sean Higgins oh, about fantastic. to join us, Caro, so I was yep. giving you the slow wine, which was inviting <laughs> you to finish your I'd sentence. hate to see a quick one. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't Sean Higgins magnificent last night? Well, he's had uh, another magnificent season, unfortunately punctuated by uh, a shoulder injury this year, which probably deprives him of a third straight best and fairest, although Ben Cunnington in particular would uh, have been in the frame for that anyway. Uh, Sean, good to have you with us, and uh, well done the Kangaroos, 22 point winners, uh, under a now appointed coach who, uh, along with his players, managed to uh, avoid that sword of Damocles because normally once the appointment's made the team starts losing again. (laughs) Was it the first step on a a new journey or uh, business as usual now that you've had a few weeks under Reese? Thanks Tim. Yeah to be honest it was probably a little bit of both. The first quarter probably followed trend lines didn't it wasn't it wasn't great viewing it Uh, but we got the ship back aligned at at quarter time and surely was fantastic with that but it's been a big month for him. He's, He's had constant pressure on him in terms of uh, whether he'd be the coach and whether he wanted to and whether uh, he'd be the, the best fit and he's handled himself really well he's, he's both from the front uh, it was a big day a big week for him and his family it was also a really big night weekend for the football club which continues today we're down at Arden Street for the VFL game and then we'll continue tonight as well yeah, happy birthday to the North Melbourne Football Club. And you're right, I mean, it was, you I imagine would have felt the pressure of wanting to win for your new coach and for this great historic moment for the North Melbourne Football Club, Sean. But it wasn't looking that way at quarter time. What did Reese say to you at quarter time? Yeah, he was actually um, the surprise of what a lot of people would, would want to have said at, at quarter time. He came down and said, look, let's just relax and get back to the way that we prepared and what we spoke about at, at quarter time and what happened in that first quarter is gone. Now we can't do anything about it. Let's get back playing our football. And I think it put it as, at us at, at ease. And we knew we were getting done around the ball and, and we knew no one really got their game going along with the whole team as well. So a um, couple of big, deep breaths. He reassured that the way we wanted to go about it was still the right way to get back and concentrate on that. And, Things started to go a little bit better around the football. We got the ball moving forward. Um, we controlled their ball movement. I thought we defended really well on the back of that for the last three quarters. Um, maintained the ball in our forward half and, and scored on the back of it. Sean, just one observation, even from the outside on Reece Shaw. I mean, coaches can be stress carriers, and I'm sure over your time in footy, you know what I mean, but yeah, some coaches yeah. get stressed, players get stressed. He seems to have a great ability to uh, act calm, be calm, and that calmness, you know, comes over onto the players then. Yeah, you're right, Lee. There's, there's something about it. 
um, to hear, but you feed off that and it's contagious throughout the week and particularly you know, on a Friday night, big game for the footy club, for him um, and all of us, to get jumped like we did, um, you can be doubting yourself and, and it can go one or two ways there. And, um, I mentioned what he said to us, but it does, you feed off that energy um, to get going and he continued that at half-time. Um, you summed it up well because there is something about his calmness but his energy that gets the boys going. Sean, sure, Jimmy Bartell here. Congratulations on the win and your form again is absolutely super. You mentioned that calmness, the positive energy. Do you feel that's reflective of you know players wanting to re-sign and the attraction to come play at North Melbourne? Yeah, well, I hope so because, um, sure, he's, it, that was one thing. Um, we noticed when he first came here and, and you would have heard early days throughout the pre-season a lot of our backs who he was working with uh, loved what, what he was doing with them with building the relationships really getting all of them involved um, he spent so much time with players on the floor and out on the ground at night dinners and these sort of things and it's just authentic he, he loves to spend time with players and now that's spread to the whole playing group so I think we're all feeling that um, last night was a really pleasing night and and we hope we can t- continue that for the next three weeks and then continue to build over the summer. If I'm able to take you back a little bit, you obviously, you're at the Doggies, you had your injuries. You're one of the first sort of free agents to move when all that was going down. Now we see it every year, plenty of players. But what attracted you to North Melbourne? Yeah, I, it was back to that relationships, And I know it was a, a different regime and team then, but with Jeff Walsh, Cam Joyce and Brad Scott, um, the faith and belief that they showed in me and, uh, when I met with them, there was something that just felt right. Um, and that's been continuous the whole time that I've been here. And, and a number of people have mentioned it have come from other clubs and also guys that are drafted into the footy club as well and guys that have been here for 10-plus years. That there's something ingrained in the walls here that um, it's a really good feel. And I think it's just a place that gets the best out of people. We've all wondered what it was like for Brett Delidio watching... Um Richmond win a premiership in 2017. What about you watching the Dogs win in 2016, Sean? Did you have deep reflection out of that? Yeah, look, it's probably slightly different circumstances. Um, myself and Brad, I'm not sure how he felt, but I was, I was wrapped for the boys because I was, um, I found myself in a really good place and things clearly weren't working for me there. Um, I wouldn't be playing football then or now if I continued to stay there. So. Um, it was, a, it was a great result for me to be able to move and, um, and enjoy the football and play the football that I had. And also for the guys that stayed there and put so much time and effort into that football club. And to cap off careers for like Matty Boyd and Dale Morris and these sort of guys who are good mates with, um, I was wrapped for the footy club because I know how much work that those guys put in. That's a pretty big statement, Sean. I mean, you're one of the stars of the competition and certainly of your own club, and yet you don't think you would have been playing today if you'd stayed at the Bulldogs? Uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty evident. Yeah, I've mentioned that before, but um, yeah, it was it was it was why I moved. I needed a fresh start. I, I thought I still had a lot of good football in front of me and still had my best football in front of me. Um, and sometimes you just need to change your environment. So you were unhappy there. I, I know you've said it before. You're clearly very happy now. Where, where does Nick? What does next year look like for you? What's the circumstance now? Have you, have you spoken to the club about all of that? Um, well, briefly, uh, there was a lot of uncertainty, obviously, with the coach, and that's been a short-term 
signing in terms of when that happened only a number of days ago. So um, we'll continue to talk. I, I still feel like I've got a, a lot of football in front of me. So, um, yeah, I, I hope that works out. So you hope you hope to sign a new deal with the Kangaroos. That's your preference, obviously. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking to extend. Um, and then, obviously, with the announcement of the coach in recent days, um, where we'll pick up talks in the near future, hopefully. You'll be 32 at the start of next season, Sean. Um, is 32 for a well-conditioned footballer who's really looked after himself the new 28? Well, uh, for me it is because I miss a lot of football. Um, I pride myself on the way that I prepare and maintain my body and the work that I put in from Monday to Friday. So, look, I still feel great. Um, I've only just played over 200 games, so I feel like there's plenty of football left in me. and um, I don't feel... 31, turning 32, so uh, I take it you uh, you can continue to play if you're only as old as you feel, and I still feel like I'm, I'm mid-20, 20, so I'm excited for what I can do in the next few years. One of those issues with the ageing process in general, Sean, I reckon, is do you, do you think more often but players are going, or clubs are going to just definitively say you're going to have every seventh week off. In other words, that that's the way of getting the best out of the slightly older bodies by by trying not to be playing sort of 15 games in a row, for instance. Yeah, and I think that also leads into the pre-season and what you do, particularly through October and November. And, um, you know, we've got a fitness level that we can maintain. There's, there's great uh, evidence in different forms of training and I think that's been the biggest change in the last five to ten years, that there's tailored programs for individuals to make sure that they do the work that's needed for them, but while at the same time looking after their bodies. And I heard Nick Rewell talk the other week, actually, about this, and, and he said that he didn't run pre-Christmas for the last six years of his career just to look after his knees, and was still one of the fittest players in the competition. And I drew a lot of um, positivity and... Uh, from Rob Murphy in terms of what he was able to do. He missed a lot of footy through his early to mid-20s and watching him just look like he was playing his best footy in his 30s. Um, and I thought, well, I missed a bit of footy and hopefully I could do that as well. So I think that's why I'm feeling good um, and hopefully that continues. Have you, did you break your nose last night? I did, yes. Yeah. So sorry if I sound a little bit um, nasally, but the nose is getting packed full of um, causes at the moment just to stop the bleeding. Oh, well, we're sorry to hear that, but obviously you'll be right for next week, the way you're talking. Have you actually ever had a broken nose privately, Sean, and that's been straightened, for instance, in, in over your playing career? Because I always say, don't get it straightened till the end, because it's a waste of time in between. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said that to you tonight. I said, you got to get that straightened up. I said, I might just wait in case I cop another one. Yeah. So, the doctor did a good job last night and straightened it as, as much as I could, so um, no dramas at all. I think you said the, uh, something about the coach saying breathe easy at, at quarter time. Uh, you wouldn't have been breathing easy after you had that strapping put on. It reminded me of Chris Judd a few years ago in a game here on a Friday night. I guess you, you can breathe through your mouth, but um, it would be a little uncomfortable, I'd imagine. It was a little bit uh, difficult, but when you're out there, it's, yeah, you're in the heat of it, so no dramas at all. More difficulty trying to sleep last night, to be honest. Sean, great to have a chat with you uh, and uh, keep up the great work with the Kangaroos. Great, thanks. Thanks, Sean. Sean Higgins, start North Melbourne midfielder, best and fairest of the last 
two years. Now, news here at Marvel Stadium of a change, a late change in the Essendon lineup. Sean McKernan out Ooh. due to illness. Michael Hartley comes in That's to the out. Essendon 22. Mm. That'll be uh, of interest to our next guest, Ken Hinckley, who is going to join us after uh, the break. We did have a caller who was going to uh, fill us in on whether he watched the footy or the cricket. We will take some calls on that as we work our way through on the open line for Nick Theodosi Prestige Cars. But we must get to a break through our W Football this Saturday afternoon, as on every Saturday afternoon during this 2019 season. Brought to you by McDonald's with 24 Chicken McNuggets for 9.95 available at Macca's after 10.30am on 3AW is football. We, we review everything at the end of the year. So th- this is the, the absolute honest answer to this, that we review the entire club at the end of the year. We reviewed the entire club at the end of last year um, and we'll be doing it again um, at the end of this year. And, you know, we have a, have a young list. Ken is the sort of the butt of all the criticism. He understands that. He's the person who has to deliver the performances and get the team up to perform at their, their best and in charge of the, of the quality and the, and the discipline of the, of the team. And he accepts that fully. And that was the fairly familiar voice of Port Adelaide Football Club President and uh, morning television host David Kosh on 5AA in Adelaide. Ken Hinckley, the Port Adelaide coach, uh, is down on the boundary. We're about to get to him. This is in the lead-up to Essendon versus Port Adelaide in round 20. Jackie Reid is part of our Saturday uh, 3AW football team and she is standing alongside the Port Adelaide coach. Good to have you with us Jackie. It's terrific to be here guys. Ken we'll start with some footy news. There has been a late change for the Bombers. Michael Hartley comes in replacing Sean McKernan. What does that do in terms of your planning today? Yeah not too much to us. I mean there's a chance Hartley goes back and, and Hooker goes forward with that, that, that move from them so you know we can't determine what they'll actually do but we know they'll one of them will play probably play forward and one will go in the ruck and chop out a little bit so it doesn't disrupt us much. It's sort of like for like. You pulled a bit of a shock this week, uh, omitting Scott Lysette. That was the official uh, reasoning. Can you confirm or clarify what is wrong with Scott? Yeah, no, we, we made a decision based on uh, performance and, and uh, also the way he physically has been coping a little bit. Scott was desperate to play and wanted to play. And, you know, from our point of view, we just thought his last couple of weeks have been a little bit down. Uh, he, you know, he's, he's had some issues himself, but every player had some issues at this time of the year. His form, if his form was had been that great, we would have kept him in because I think the key thing in this for us is the, the form of Laddams. Peter Laddams has played so good at the level underneath. He's had a couple of games in the AFL team. We haven't gave him a, given him the game where he's actually played a lot of ruck, and this is going to be that game that hopefully he gets to play a lot of ruck. So, so Ken, and welcome to the show. So, is Lysette being managed in the modern parlance? No, not really, Caroline. If he was, um, if we thought we could pick him and, and give us a result that we wanted today, we certainly would have picked him, but we, we take into account the way he physically is, as plus plus his form, and, and as I said again, the key thing for me is the form of Laddams and, and the way he's been playing. This, this young fella is really exciting, is a really good young ruck who's got an incredibly bright future. And what about Charlie Dixon? Was he managed last week? No, he played. He played in, played in the Magpies and played quite well. We uh, Charlie again just uh, he needed to find a little bit of spark himself in his own form. He went back and played really well, which you'd expect he would do. And I think our challenge has been, as everyone's been talking about all seasons, we haven't been able to convert enough of our opportunities. It's probably the first time I think this year, if I'm being correct, that that Charlie, Paddy, and Todd will be in the team together. And that's uh, you know something at the start that if you had to ask me about, I was quite excited about. And it's taken us a long time to get them there together. So, how much of finals on your radar, Ken? Yes, a lot. 
a real lot because if you look at the competition, look at the way it all sits right now, we win today, we're in amongst it as biggest and, and as good as any other side that's hanging in that branch around that 7th, 8th, ninth position. We're, we're one of those teams who have got a great opportunity today. Yeah. Kenny, Jimmy here, mate. Uh, good luck for today. Uh, look, can you just explain to us what is the furnace like at Adelaide? I try and describe to people it's like only having four AFL clubs in Melbourne. Obviously, two there in Adelaide, they're football mad, and on top of the fact that the Crows are having their issues. Is it just external noise or it, does it seep into the walls, as they say? Oh, it's hard, Jim, you know that. It's hard not to let, you know, you're from Geelong and it's a, a little bit uh, a little bit similar, but not quite the same because Adelaide's a bit crazier, I think, than, than the Geelong people. There's not as many, I think. So, uh, and, and over in Adelaide, they... They love their footy. They're passionate about their footy. They're they, you know, really focused on the two teams. And, you know, sometimes when one's going no good and the other's going OK, it, it can be a bit balanced. But at the moment, both sides have got their challenges and both sides are struggling. So it is an intense place. And what my job is is to make sure and try to do absolute best to protect the players from as much as that as we can. Uh, having a complete understanding, though it's almost impossible when you've got three television stations and two radio stations and a, and a newspaper every day wants stories about the two teams, we can't totally hide. Well, particularly when your CEO sends out a memo to members and pretty much the entire football world describing himself as a Norwood flog and saying <laughs> back off the coach and um, talking about we've made mistakes and we're sorry and I haven't been listening. I mean, I, I gather you guys knew nothing about that. It was a bit of an own, own goal for the club, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, Keith's role and job, Caroline, as we know, is to is to communicate with our members and stuff. And he does that regularly with his with his letters to the members. You know, it's it's not an unusual event. It was you know, it's a different letter. There's no doubt about that. Where he, you know, I appreciate that he tries to take some pressure. That doesn't probably happen that much. Um, you know, and he's trying to position it with our members that you know we're 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 aware of the situation. We're doing our absolute best. From my point of view, I've got a number one priority, and that's to win this game of football today. So you know, I move pretty quickly into getting the boys focused, resident. Just the game. Itself. I mean, you left Charlie Dixon out last week. I mean, it seemed like late in the game, Haynes and Davis, like the intercept markers for the opposition, kept marking the ball that was coming into your forward 50. You're struggling to find the play or two or three even that can be like the high reach pack marking sort of, or at least contestors in, in, in your front half. Yeah, we are, Lee, and that's exactly what, you, you know, you're, you're 100% accurate because last week there was a game early in the year against Richmond at Adelaide Oval where we, we gave up too many intercept marks. We're, we're doing what we can to try and limit that as best we can, but last week we were we were short on height and, uh, you know, we've got a challenge this week because we've got a team that's, you know, a, a back-half transition team that run and go hard and we've got some taller people in the team. So you're always balancing it between what you need and what you want versus what the opposition are going to challenge you with. So our challenge is, is for Paddy and for Charlie and for Todd to, to mark the ball a little bit more than we have been able to in our forward line in the last five or six weeks particularly. Kenny, Travis spoke. Uh, he was one player last week who was dominant, but he's been dominant all year. Is it more than just simply taking the captaincy off him or what else has changed? Because his form this year has been you know, pretty much all-Australian form. Yeah, well, he will be, Jim, I'd imagine. I'd be surprised if he's not. And, uh, you know, he's been an All-Australian before, so his form's not, um, you know, unusual for him mm. to be playing at such a high level. You're right, that, you know, there's some freedom around the captain. See, he's, he's the first to talk about that, that he's he perhaps uh, has, you know, he's, he's flourished a little bit without that burden of, of trying to help everything and everyone. He's just playing his game. Certainly with putting back in the midfield, you know, and, you know, the challenge for us is, uh, you know, Trav in the midfield really certainly helps us there, but he takes away some of the other stuff that he does in the past for us as a half-forward. But there's a real, you know, he's just got a freedom about the way he's playing. He's, uh, you know, he's got strong belief. He's a great player, so mm. it's easy for them players to um, consistently play well when they get in a good run of form. And yet you put a bit of a burden on yourself, didn't you, and the club by selecting co-captains going against the Port 
DNA and you haven't been able to get the best out of them largely due to injury I guess but um, would you change that decision next year? No, no, no. Well, I don't know about next year, Caroline, all those things. But for, for now, we think it was absolutely 100% correct decision. And uh, luckily enough for us at the moment, well, unluckily, but we've had Ollie basically play nine games of football and probably two of them have been with a broken leg and a broken thumb. So really seven games and he's been really interrupted. You know, it's a hard one to mark with accuracy right now, isn't it? Because of what we've had. Tom's missed four or five games himself when Ollie's played. They actually haven't had a lot of time together to share the role. So I'd, I'd like to sit on a little bit and say, oh, let's let's just wait and see. With, if the both boys can be in really good form together, I think we'd be pretty pleased with what they can do. Well, four winnable games, Ken. And this, in ladder position, certainly is the toughest of them. You've got Sydney at home. You've got North Melbourne over here and then... Fremantle, so uh, this is like the the start of a charge to the the finals. Do you feel as though you have to make the finals uh, to have a sense of vindication as coach of the club, bearing in mind that we'll keep Thomas called it the year of the deafening noise. Yeah, well, no more Tim than I did at the start of the year. I, I thought at the start of the year we had to make finals, and I don't I don't shy away from that. You know, plenty of people were saying that we weren't capable of making finals. We're in a position now that we are capable of making finals, and you know we're going to do everything we've got now to, to give ourselves that chance. You know, we haven't got everything perfect at the moment. We get that, but I love the way the boys are going about it. You know, we, we we've beaten the top two teams on the ladder. Yeah, people say, well, that should be better than what you are then, but I'm saying that gives me some hope that our best football is capable of beating good teams, and one of them teams is Essendon. Good to have you with us again. Thanks for your time, which you're always generous with, Ken, and uh, good luck uh, this afternoon. Thanks. Ken Hinckley, the coach of Port Adelaide, down on the boundary with Jackie Reid. We're getting to a break, uh, and as we go there, I think we've got a sports update with John Michael. A sports news update. Australia will be hoping for early wickets when day three of the opening Ashes test gets underway tonight at Edgbaston. England will resume at four for 267, trailing the Aussies by just 17 runs. Rory Burns is unbeaten on 125, while Ben Stokes is not out on 38. Australian assistant coach Steve Waugh confident, though, the game isn't over just yet. We may well go out there and get three or four edges in the first couple of overs with a new ball and... Bowl England out and, and minimise that lead to under 50. I think if it's under 100, it's a, it's a good result for us. So we're definitely still in the game. In Rugby League, the Melbourne Storm has extended its lead on top of the NRL table with a 40-4 win over Brisbane last night, while elsewhere Canberra down New Zealand 46-12. And in motorsport, Aussie Daniel Ricciardo has set the fifth fastest time in practice at the Hungarian F1 Grand Prix. Red Bull's Pierre Gasly topping the timesheets. And that's the latest sport. Every game has been critical for us, you know, since um, the halfway mark of the year, really. Uh, and they'll continue to be. The next four weeks, every game will have a... Uh, you can look at it from a perspective of being a really important game. Um, so we're just looking forward to the challenge. We we felt like we weren't at our absolute best for long enough the other night. And probably you've heard it before, but uh, that's our aim, to keep improving as a team. Um, where we're playing our best footy for longer and we keep the opposition under heat for for bigger parts of the game. Well, that's the bomber coach, John Worsfold. He never deviates. They're 11-7, Essendon, seventh on the ladder, but with breathing space. And uh, there's almost certain finalists now. And really, it's a matter of uh, how high they can work themselves up into the uh, top four unlikely, bearing in mind matches that other teams face but fifth or sixth, and uh, then a home final is distinctly possible for the Bombers. Uh, we're getting to the lethal injection in just a moment. We had to contrive one last week. 
I don't know whether the great man is terribly happy about that. But uh, Nick from Mentone on the matter of uh, what was being watched in his household last night. Cricket or footy? Welcome to the uh, open line, Nick. How you going, guys? I gave my head a good old scratch until I developed this shiny bald spot on the top of my scone. I thought, nah, it's got to be the footy ball. <laughs> and, for, and being a uh, doggy supporter, it's great, absolutely great to see... Uh, uh, ex-players like uh, Higgins uh, just from champions to become reinvented champions. Just magnificent to listen to him as well. Yeah, he was uh, terrific, uh, Nick. Forty ball. Forty Good ball it was. Yes, the shiny spot's going. Thanks for that. Uh, what did you watch, Jimmy, during the course of the evening? Because you're a cricket man as well as a yeah, footy I, man. Yeah, I'm a mad cricket nut. I probably watch predominantly cricket, to be honest. Uh, I did flick back and forth to the footy. I obviously celebrate Sean Burgoyne, a, a guy who ripped us apart many a times, but an absolute star of the game. So I, wa- I watched a fair bit of the footy, but I have to admit, I spent a, a lot of hours watching the cricket last night. Pretty frustrating, then, it would have been. Yeah, it was frustrating. But I, I'm one of those people who can sit and watch every single ball of a test match. Yep. Yeah. I can and just be happy watching it. Nine six nine hundred six nine three or thirteen thirteen thirty two. We've also got why 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 not too far away, but uh, bigger fish to fry before that. Caro, just quickly, and it's not an injection. But what did you think of the masks with the crying the night before with Steve Smith? Well, I thought it was. I thought it was disgraceful. Well, I think it's actually where the game's being played at at Edgebaston. If it was being played at Lords, you have a different type of crowd. The Edgebaston crowd is more like a football or soccer, you know, football term crowd. So that's why you heard the noise, the chanting, the songs, the masks, the sandpaper. I didn't mind the booing. I didn't mind the sandpaper. There was something about the masks and the crying. <laughs> Lee's looking a bit <laughs> amused. I, well, to be honest, I only channel surf to see the scores, and I'm straight back to the footy or whatever else I'm yeah. watching. So I'm the opposite of you in watching cricket. So I didn't, didn't even see any of that stuff, Kara. It was the night before, but yeah. it was pretty... Yeah. And it, it, it did make it all the sweeter when Steve Smith played oh, so well. Extraordinary innings. Yeah, I, I didn't worry me. I'm no. not sure what Steve Smith felt about it. I mean, this was... I was the biggest critic of Steve Smith ever, and obviously a lot more of Warner, but I just thought, oh, come on, guys. But you've got to live with it, don't you, when you... Yeah, of course, and, and, they, and Australia behaved impeccably throughout the whole innings on that level, but... I just thought that was childish and pathetic, to be honest. Nine six nine hundred six nine three or thirteen thirteen thirty two. Bullying, bordering on bullying. Oh, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Toughen up, Nick. Nick Theodosi, <laughs> Prestige Cars Open Line nine six nine hundred six nine three or thirteen thirteen thirty two. But as I said, bigger fish to fry. It is time for the return of the lethal injection. <laughs> oh, the post is broken. He's in it. The Lethal. <laughs> Talk about a he-man. Injection. Uh, thanks, Tim. Now, I thought I might get into the fact that Rhys Shaw last night was coaching. You're the first-time coach, first-game coach as a, as a permanent senior coach against Alistair Clarkson, the most uh, experienced coach in the competition. I'll start off with a statement. I always generally believe there's a naivety in the public commentary about the role and the value of the modern senior coach in winning games of footy. Yeah, it's valuable, but it's not the be-all and end-all that many people do because the coaches are about the planning, the players are about the execution. And planning's important, but if you don't execute, you lose. And that's what happened last night early to North Melbourne. They didn't execute, so they're behind on the scoreboard. Then they started to win the ball. They executed well. But it was interesting. I heard a, a comment in the build-up to the game. Someone said, oh, uh, Rishaw must be really nervous when he looks over at the other coaches' blocks and sees Alistair Clarkson, who's the most credentialed coach in the competition, I thought to myself, that bloke's never coached. 
I coach about 400 games. I never looked at the other coaching box. I think most coaches don't even consider the other coach or the other coaching group. They consider what the, the opposition team is doing and how do we kind of blunt what they're doing and maximise our strengths and, and avoid our vulnerabilities. But nevertheless, it was, uh, it was interesting. One of the things that I reckon would have happened this morning, if Hawthorne had kept going and won, it would have been Alistair Clarkson, the master, had shown the apprentice what it's all about. Uh, and I just don't think it works that, that way. And the other thing, the other observation, uh, if uh, about a month ago, North Melbourne, if they had a choice, would have paid uh, John Lomai maybe one and a half million. And now they've got Reshaw for about 500000 which is about the starting, uh, the starting salary of a coach, save themselves a million bucks. And I would say, quite possibly, Reshaw might be just as valuable as John Lomai would, John Lomai would young be. Because when people ask me, you don't get a choice as a coach, but the main thing about being a successful coach is being in the right club at the right time. And even David Teague at Carlton. It's different coaching Carlton in the second half of 2019 than it was the first half because there was a constant evolution with your team going on. Let's have a conversation we were having five minutes before we went to air. I asked the question, why didn't Brendan Bolton use David Teague? Why didn't Alan Richardson use Brett Ratton? Uh, why didn't Brad Scott use Reece Shaw? If these players were so... If these assistant coaches were so able to connect... Why weren't they promoted? And when will a coach do that? Because I can imagine it would be a challenge to his authority to do it and perhaps also to his hold on the job, first and foremost. Mm. But why not let go and actually use those people, maybe to speak to the coaches on the ground? We never see anyone other than the head coach doing the final whatever it is before the players go out you and mean, resume the, the, the actual address to yep. the whole team per, per se. Yep. Um, because the rest of the... And that you're right on that one. Almost inevitably, the senior coach is doing the, you know, the address to the group. But the delegation to the other people in his coaching staff, because these days it is coaching st- the group versus coaching group. And therefore, the coordination of delegating. Like, and I often say, any coach who sits on the interchange bench is not the match day coach. Because you can't see the game well enough from the ground level view. So therefore you're delegating that to the people up with the elevated view. But then the belief would be that the role is better because you can uh, talk to players. Your relationship building. You can sort of build them up. What have you. You can do that on the bench. So uh, why that's the, more valuable. So why is, does is the Danny movement Daly of, the match day coach at the Brisbane Football well, Club? Well, not, not Danny on himself. But Danny might be uh, Chris Fagan's. Well, primary. I mean, there's, there's senior a group assistant of them. Or, senior yeah. assistant. Well, he's the one in the box. And, no, but and he's not Chris... the only one in the box. Or everyone no, else is in the box. No, but he seems to be the main. No, no, everyone else is in the box. The one part of the coaching group at the Lions that's not in the coaching box is Chris Fagan, who's decided it's his, his better value being in with the players as you're coming on and off the field down at ground level. Yes, but for all of that, you move one piece off the board by sacking a coach, and you promote one piece a ladder, yeah. and everything changes. But, Tim, it wasn't going to happen at Carlton because we hear that we're pretty certain that Brendan Bolton and David Teague were at odds and David Teague was trying to do certain things and Brendan Bolton and he didn't agree. So Brendan well, Bolton's had... hardly going to hand over well, the reins. Well, they were, they were opposite ends of philosophy and that's probably why David Teague got the role because he was the polar opposite as far as football philosophy, the way the game's being played. And if you can't, that's a smart decision because you know what that end looks like with Brendan Bolton. Let's see what the other end is 
we might end up somewhere between or we might end up further down one end. But the other thing, particularly in modern footy, that where you have got a coaching group, is a senior coach has to decide what am I best at and what are my vulnerabilities and find people who help with my vulnerabilities. A personal example, I'm not that warm and fuzzy as a coach, but Craig Lambert, who was my assistant at the Lions, one of my primary assistants, was... And he was enormously valuable because he provides... Graham Allen is a bit warm and fuzzy with the, with the players more so than I was. So you've kind of got to know what do you need around you, and that's what this delegation's all about. And, and it would, would vary from club to club, because each senior coach might be slightly different in what they actually want to do as a primary part of the function and what they delegate to their assistants. But a, a bit to your point, Tim, and hopefully I'm answering it in a way, is that... You, you speak of these coaches who end up losing their job, and their their team's under the pump. Now, Lee was part of a very successful line side, and he knew you know, which coach or personnel can push what buttons. But when you see clubs, and you know I've spoken with uh, coaches who have lost their job, they even admit that when all the heat's coming on them, they actually take away, I guess, that delegation more and more and more because it's them on the line. Yep. So they're going, well, I'm going to take full control because it's my job. Yeah, it's my head on the chopping block. So they take which Damien Hardwick did in 2016, yeah. and it was a disaster. But we just spoke to Sean Higgins, and he talked about the impact Reece Shaw had well before he became senior coach, he, and what he did with the backs at North Melbourne. Now, why was that not able to impact on their results when Brad Scott was still coaching? I mean, if if it's true that Brad Scott was delegating a lot to Reece Shaw, it clearly wasn't working in terms of win-loss, was it? No, and that's the question I'm raising So there has to be a main man, doesn't there? Well, there does, but the main man can perhaps use those... Mm. I mean, he's always a senior coach. The Premiership senior coach will get the Jocelyn Cale medal. He's always going to be the... But it's a coordination role of a group of people. That's the point that, I, that I'm trying to, I guess, keep emphasising. It's not about the senior coach being the be-all and end-all of the coaching function. We've got to get to a break. Why, why, why not far away? And then Joe Danaher is going to be joining us in the 3AW box. Caro, do you think we can just make the wielder of the lethal injection a little more... What was it? Fuzzy? Was no. Warm, warm and fuzzy. Warm and fuzzy. Warm and fuzzy. Um, no. No, <laughs> no, I am now because I'm a mild middle-aged grandfather now. But when yeah, I was a younger yeah, man, I wasn't that warm and fuzzy. I wouldn't go that far. We want pointy lethal injection anyway. No, that never entirely changes. <laughs> Don't go away. This is 3AW Football brought to you by McDonald's. Why, why, why? For Winston with a why. This is one segment on 3AW Football Preview each Saturday that is warm and fuzzy. 96900693 or 13.13.32 to be a part of it. And we have a McCafe VIP experience to give away to our best caller as a judge by Jimmy. Jimmy Bartell. You and three friends will experience premium seating in the McCafe VIP area at Marvel Stadium for next Saturday's match between Essendon and the Doggies, along with a $200 voucher for food and drink, all courtesy of McCafe Smooth Barista-Made Coffee, available 24-7. Smooth Barista-Made Coffee from McCafe, available at Marvel Stadium for your footy fix. 96900-693 or 13 Thirteen thirty-two to give yourself a shot at it. And early, why, 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 Jimmy Bartell, did Josh 
Our much-loved Teco in the 3AW box <laughs> hand my chocolate chip cookie to you to pass on to me when there was never a hope that I was going to get it. <laughs> there was no wah, hope wah, at all. Why, 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 why? There's two-thirds of it gone, and you've already got your cookie. You have to be quick here. No, thanks, Tim. I don't, I've, I've had a cookie at home, but I, I don't... Jimmy asked for a cookie. He did. And, uh, you have to be quick Ask here. Those, and ye shall receive, Tim. Those print journos, Caro, they are very quick on, on the cookies. Oh, you have for, to get them quick. Not as former players. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, I think you've got a serious why, why, why. Well, why, why, why are the Adelaide Crows, who are eighth on the ladder, creating this selection anxiety mm. like a team in the bottom four that's rebuilding? Yeah, I, I found that incredibly strange. And, and Tim, we were doing uh, the Adelaide Carlton game last week and we had a lot of questions for Scott Camp- Camparelli, uh, assistant coach of the Crows. It was even strange the way they got the noise out there or you know, the language around Alex Keith. He was the travelling emergency, but he's now missing another week. But if someone went down, he was playing. And Eddie Betts one is still the peculiar one for me. I've, I've never known a side's form to be fluctuating off the back of a... Forward Small pocket. Forward. You reckon there's much warm and fuzzy at the Crows at the moment? No, there's no warm and fuzzy. Right? If you're a senior player over 30, you must just sit there on selection or Thursday afternoon going, uh, who's been hit with the dartboard oh, here? It's clearly yeah. personal with Josh Jenkins. Has to be. It, it's strange. Has to be personal. I don't know what is going on there. Let's get to a couple of callers, uh, then a break. Then we'll come back with Joe Danaher, who's going to be joining us very shortly. Get some callers. Uh, and then we'll cookie. take some more callers. <laughs> Tim from South Melbourne, you're first up. Oh, yeah, good morning, Tim and panel. Actually, um, that was my question. Why, 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 since uh, last year's pre-season camp, do Adelaide seem to be in disarmament? Why, 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 why are there more questions than answers at that football Caro, does it go back to that camp, or is that a symptom of it what goes, is It goes back to the manner in which they lost the grand final and the response from the football department and the coaching panel to how to remedy that, and it's been, I reckon, on 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 balance, pretty disastrous, Tim, ever since. I cannot believe that that side that played the way they did in 2017 has missed finals last year and Can, will probably make it this year, this year yeah. but are on the edge this year, yeah. and there is no doubt that it is apparent now within the club that Don Pike has somehow lost the faith of his players, along with Scott Camperiali and along with Brett Burton, who put them into that situation. I mean, we talk about Essendon, we talk about Melbourne and tanking, we talk about the way they set up the Gold Coast and what they did to the careers of those young men. And I, and I would add to that specifically, but also not only to the Indigenous players, but certainly to a core group of Indigenous players at Adelaide, the disrespect they showed them. Can I also add a bit to it too? And we hear about the crows and you know how it all all went pear shaped for them, but there never seems to be an acknowledgement coming out of Adelaide that actually Richmond were entitled to play well and they were a pretty damn good side that year. Yep, and they, they had, were and they were coming. They were they were, they, they were on the rise. Well, they've had a seat. One player had a season that we'll never forget. Dustin Martin. He won every single thing in sight. Trent Cochin probably had his best year ever as a captain. Rance again asserted his dominance as the best centre half back in the game. They've had players bob up everywhere. The it was luck. the manner in which they lost, though. But, they, but, they were belted, but, well, and they, they didn't fire a by shot. Better team. By and that's my... about the fact that the grand final was held at the MCG. Exactly. I'm, I'm with Tim as well. Yeah, you know, they can. They keep blaming. You know, and it's all about them, and they lost the grand final. But no, Richmond beat you. They mm. beat you cold, not by like yep. a goal or ten points. They did it that's, running that's, away that's from you. Fun is it a grand final? You should mm. review a grand final essentially like any other game. Review it for a day or two and yeah, move on. Exactly. But it would appear 
that the and I've happens often. Let's face it, the overreaction of uh, mm. what happens on Grand Final Day, good and bad. Uh, can be much more, much too dramatic. Tim, flying start. Jimmy's taking notes. Oh, Tim. Uh, Richard, Tim just before we go to a break, what have you got for us? Uh, Tim, why, why, why? Uh, you and Caro made a comment about Stephen Smith only a few moments ago mm. about the way they carried on at Edgbaston. Great performance by Smith. But Michael Bourne reported in the Herald Sun that maybe four to six weeks ago, an English cricketer was banned for 12 months for taking drugs. Yeah, I think that was Alex Hales. Was it maybe was it Alex Hales that? No. Oh, what about the what about the bloke who belted someone and almost was in Stokes. jail and now mm. he's a bit? Does he got a knighthood or something? He got found not guilty, didn't he? Oh yeah. please! Don't, I think Tim's you've, you've gone soft in your old age. No, well Steve Smith got a year and I think it was appropriate. Absolutely, fact, it was. But that those the way they absolutely fate a bloke who it was an act of thuggery. It was an act of thuggery and and questionably just as bad or worse and uh, I just think there's a bit of um, Australia didn't bo- be- behave in any anyway look we've, it's a footy show uh, we've got uh, we've got the <laughs> figure of Joe Danaher towering over us he's a few steps up above our uh, humble little broadcasting area but uh, he's a tall man and uh, when you give him a few steps advantage he is all over you like a rash we're going to be talking to him very shortly so we must get to a break to all our other callers and there are plenty of you hold on we will be getting to you after we've had a chat with Joe why 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 part two coming up as is Joe Danaher on 3AW Saturday Football No score, but this is the best chance. Oh, oh! Danaher has jumped out of the sky and taken a 25 out. This is a big moment. Can he rise to it? Runs inside 50, strikes it okay, gets it there. Wells to the lead of Joe Danaher. He takes the mark 51 metres out. He wheels around, kicks on the left, drop punt on its way. Plays on. Danaher's in the goal square is about to jump. Quick handle to Danaher from 55. He kicks on the siren and he kicks a goal and he goes berserk. Welcome back to 3AW Saturday Football. Joe Danaher has provided a lot of excitement for Essendon players and Essendon fans in particular. But uh, alas, has played just 11 games over two seasons. A great pleasure to have him in the AW commentary box as it is uh, any member of the Danaher family. Joe, uh, when you play as infrequently as you have over a couple of years, do you stop thinking of yourself as a footballer? Well, firstly, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, yeah, I'm actually getting used to not playing. It's not good, is it? It's um, yeah, it's an unfortunate situation to be in, you know, just sitting on the sidelines watching your team, but um, yeah, hopefully not too much longer and, and get back out there and back into it. So what do you do, Joe? What, does, what do you do when you're not doing rehab? Um, so when I spent a lot of time doing rehab at the footy club, but I'm sort of trying to find as much opportunities to have impact on the game as I can, and um, whether that be you know doing footage with um, you know teammates and that sort of thing, or um, you know just working on some culture stuff and, and trying to get our footy club um, moving forward in a better position. Further that, Joe, we're speaking almost like a reflection. Yeah, you've been out of the game a bit. Has it made you, I guess, want to be more a football person once your career is finished, or you're looking at things outside of footy? Yeah, uh, for me, I don't think I'll I'll be staying in footy um, once I finish playing. I, I love playing, and 
Um, love being involved, um, you know, as, as a player, but um, don't have any real desire to, to coach or anything like that. And uh, so, you know, I'm going to try and maximise my enjoyment while I'm in the game and, um, and uh, you know, planning, looking ahead, probably get out of the game um, once I finish playing. So what's the culture stuff you say you're working on at the club? Yeah, look, so we've... Uh, we've um, sort of shifted our culture over the last probably 24 months and um, you know we have some real clear um, KPIs that we want to hit with that and managing that um, you know from training standards and that point of view um, or vision from games and, and just making guys really clear on what's expected and um, you know what's accepted around our football um, inside our four walls. And Is it um, a tougher culture? Um, I don't think it's a tougher culture no I think it's I think AFL football's always been a tough industry, um, but I think it's it's a clearer culture and, and guys know what's expected and, and certainly what's accepted. Has that been yeah, the first half of you know, this year and the first half of last year? Has it been you just weren't being able to execute the culture or the KPIs or have you made adjustments? Yeah, look, we've made slight adjustments. We've, we've really simplified it. Um, you know, we've obviously come through um, a period since John's been at the club where we've um, you know, really got the ship steadied again, and um, you know, and then and then really refining what we expect as a football club and and what we want to be known for. And I think um, you know, over probably the last eight weeks, you can sort of see the style of football that the Essendon Football Club wants to bring. And yet earlier this year, um, the, the coach was really under the pump. Um, former club greats like Tim Watson and Matthew Lloyd were talking about game style and coaching style, questioning his future. Was that fair? Uh, look, I mean, we just touched on culture before and, and things that really help situations like that is a really strong culture and from a player's point of view, um, it was so nice to find out that our footy club could just stay steady during a period like that uh, with so much external noise, which, you know, as a player I don't, I don't hear much of, but you can feel it around. Um, and so to see the club just stick together and stick to what we're working on and get to a position where we are now where you can sort of see what we're building um, you know, we're not kidding ourselves. We know we're a long way off where we want to get to, but um, you can sort of see the see the structure of the Essendon Football Club, and um, you know, it gets us through you know tougher periods like that. So, how deeply do you miss being a part of being at the pointy end as they're making an exciting charge? It would appear into well the finals and perhaps something exciting in September. Yeah, look, I'd really love to be out there, but it's also pleasing to see um, what the guys are doing. They've worked really hard to sort of peg back, um, you know, not just this season, but the way that we're playing. And um, I touched on it a little bit before again. Of, you can sort of see the skeleton of what we're trying to produce, and, and that's what it is at the moment. And, um, you know, as the year goes on a little bit further, hopefully we can start to nail that. And, um, you know, as we get to the business business end of the year, um, see some better results. Joe Danaher is our guest on 3OW Football Preview. Joe, watching, being forced to watch a lot of footy from the stands, particularly the tall forward role that, you know, that you play, have you, uh, the, the way the game of so without putting those two things together, what have you observed that, oh, well, I've got to do more of this, less of that, how it's, how that role is changing? Yeah, look, it's been interesting. I mean, probably the one thing I've taken out of it is is it can work from so many different avenues. And, you know, we've seen some teams have really success with small, quicker forward lines, um, you know, being a little bit more dynamic. But we've also seen the great key forwards just stand up and continually play great roles. And, um, you know, one that I've noticed is Tom Hawkins has just been unbelievable the way that he's been able to adapt his game um, and he's still got his really really uh, amazing strengths but he's been able to adapt his game for for their footy club and um, you know you can take a lot out of that as a player and so another key forwards Tom Lynch have you been watching him this year I mean he was someone who was like getting a lot of criticism at the start of the year and now he's been fated 
Yeah, look, I mean, you sort of can sit back and watch and, you know, you see him. He was still performing a really strong role for the Richmond Footy Club, even though he was under pressure and, um, you know, externally under pressure, sorry. And you sort of sit back and you just, as a player, you know that great players like that, they're, they're still performing a real critical role, whether he wasn't getting his marks or kicking his goals like the crowd have been used to. Um, he was still really important for the Richmond Football Club and now he's getting the rewards of, um, you know, being in a, a fitter, stronger position. And what about yourself and the pressure you I mean you've over the years you've you've shown such wonderful moments you've you've copped it a couple of times for your occasional avant-garde behavior on the footy field you even copped it I think earlier this year for having a beer one night how do you find all of that uh look it's not my favorite part of the industry my favorite part of the industry is playing football and getting out in the field and and trying to achieve something special with with your teammates that's obviously why I'm playing but um it's just a part of the game and um, you know, I put myself in situations where I uh, uh, sort of attract that sort of criticism and um, that's probably on my own doing, but um, it doesn't ever take away the fact that I just love being out there and playing and, and trying to commit to, um, you know, values of our football club. So where are you at in your attempts to resume that? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm tracking uh, pretty well. So I'm, I'm about eight and a half, nine weeks post-surgery um, and feeling feeling quite a bit better and um, you know, hopefully start running in the next fortnight and um, you know, once I start running um, you know, I'll be up and away and, and hopefully have a clear run at pre-season and uh, set me up for a sustainable couple of years hopefully. You've got to get going. Lee, a quick time Where's Michael you? Hurley in his recovery just while we've got you? Yeah, so Michael's going really well. He trained this morning. I think he did about 10 kilometres this morning um, of skills work. He's still a little bit um, affected by that arm but um, talking to him this morning, I think he said he'd be right for the last game of the season. So um, that's pretty exciting news. And before you go, um, Arazio's gone full Guelphie. He's uh, <laughs> what's the go with the the shock of white hair? Oh, I don't know. What's, it's not very good, is it? But uh, you look across our team. We've got some serious haircuts, don't we? Says you, growing a mullet. Oh, mullet. <laughs> I'm trying to fit in with the youth. I'm feeling really old at the moment. I'm 25 and I feel 45. So I'm just trying to hang in there. And, and just quickly, on the frustration of uh, being an onlooker for such extended periods over two years, ever had a talk to you, Uncle Neil, who uh, was about three and a half years, I think, with uh, a series of, of knee injuries and learnt a lot about being deprived of what he wanted to do in football? Yeah, absolutely. I've, uh, I guess I've seen that, um, you know, what he went through as a player and talking to him as a player. Um, there is difficulties to it, but um, that's the game of footy and everyone, everyone misses time and misses seasons and you you know that's what you sign up for as a player you just it's the ones that can deal with it and keep moving forward and come back and, and have an impact when they get back from injury that uh, you sort of look up to and say that's that's pretty special and that's um, something that I'm aiming to do good luck and great to have you with us thanks guys thanks for having thanks, me Joe. Joe Danaher from the Bombers uh, joining us on 3AW football preview now we're getting back to why 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 we why, do... why why yeah, indeed <laughs> who was that again we do hear from Wallace Binghamton from McHale's Navy every now and then, but I think that was a talkback caller at one stage. Uh, Daryl, Max, Nick, Paul, Paul, Ian and Robert. You've held on. Daryl, you're first. Yes, uh, why, why, why does Caro believe at an elite level you can verbally abuse someone? Because it doesn't happen. What, what, what do I, what, when did I say that? Well, uh, why, why, what well, did well, I say? You're, you're, insinua- you're insinuating with Warner and Smith that they were being bullied by the crowd. Do you really believe that the, uh, at elite sports level that they can be verbally bullied? Oh, no, no, I just, I thought that the behaviour of the English crowd um, was, 
It was a bit bullying. I, I thought it was, to be honest, I thought it was puerile and childish. I don't think they were being verbally bullied. And I don't think it probably probably fired up Steve Smith. I just thought it didn't bode well or reflect well on English cricket fans. There you go, Daryl. I reckon English supporters generally do it really well. Some of the Barmy Army stuff I is so it. clever. Mm. It, yeah. is, it brings so much atmosphere. I just want someone in Australia for the next time the Poms are out here to come up with a song which plays on the fact that when England finally won a World Cup, it wasn't legit. <laughs> <laughs> Stick it up them. Max from West Meadows. G'day, Tim. Uh, why, why, why? Today at uh, the Giant Stadium, they're charging $94 for a seat, I suppose the premium seat, but the f- next time they play in two weeks' time with the Bulldogs, the same seat is $60. Well, That's is that part of the... Dynamic pricing. Yeah, dynamic pricing. Dynamic yeah. pricing. So it's a, it's a cross-town derby, isn't it? Mm, so. Yep. That's Battle why of the bridge. That's why they do it. We, we could ask our heavily conflicted Giants board member who's sitting with us. Well, I don't do dynamic you, prices. You, you, the, you actually <laughs> set the ticket prices. Yeah, I clearly set them. The extra 30 bucks is going into my back pocket. Does that make everyone feel happier? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Judge, Judge Jimmy Bartell certainly doesn't do dynamic pricing. <laughs> Max, thank you for that. Uh, we have a McCaffey VIP experience to give away to our best Smooth. caller. Jimmy is the judge. You and three friends will experience premium seating in the McCaffey VIP area here at Marvel Stadium next Saturday for the match between Essendon and the Western Bulldogs. You'll also get a $200 voucher for food and drink, all courtesy of McCaffey Smooth Barista-made coffee, available 24-7. And Jimmy's dealing with some pretty good contenders here. Nick from Brunswick, have a go. Yeah, uh, why, why, why? Uh, police taking resources off off the street, going around to feral fans, uh, and, and, and in fact they don't have a warrant, so you tell them to boot off. Absol- we're the laughing stock. Australia is a laughing stock. Melbourne's a laughing stock. I rang my brother last night who lives in Germany, and the German coppers would never think of doing doing that. It's just a, it's a joke. It's a disgrace. I actually know a lot of the coppers do that as extra time. I know they get paid for it, but it's actually not taking it away from a station or a certain police force. You you want security at, at the at the ground, don't we? I, I thought, why is it not? Why is it less important that you don't want criminal behaviour? Or violent behaviour inside a stadium is outside a stadium. It was like early in the year, wasn't it, when the, the security presence mm. all of a sudden was a bit too noticeable and the crowd didn't like it, when in fact you're trying to make the, the game or the, the environment as safe and as enjoyable as possible. And family-friendly. Family I mean, you've got friendly, kids yeah. here, Speak, all that sort of speaking thing. Speaking of um, that, I don't agree with the call, but... Did you think Gillan McLaughlin sounded a bit evasive when he went on Neil Mitchell yesterday, Tim? Wrong. Well, I was going to pose a why, why, why on that, Carolyn. Pose it, Tim. Pose it. Well, why doesn't he do something to dispel the impression of himself as a privileged person who doesn't really feel as though he should deal with the rough and tumble of questions from people like Neil Mitchell and others in the media? Yeah, probably probably a fair question, Tim. Probably a fair question. We're talking, of course, about the football supporter who was... Flogman. Yeah, called, called the umpire a bald-headed flog, but Rob was wrongly accused of running around two stands. Here's a grab of the league boss with Neil Mitchell. Have you apologised? Do you apologise? I, I think we've um, we've done enough of all this now. I've said what I've said. Um, but there's something, there's a development here. The letter has been sent to his lawyers. Hmm. 
Yeah, no, I haven't apologised. But uh, and I'm, you don't apologise? No, I'm. Uh, we'll move on. What do you mean? Yeah, I've said what I've said. The answer is no. Um, but um, a, a person was ejected for the football from the football. Um, the ins and outs of why I've been debated. I'm not going to make any more comment on it. There you go. That's it. And I think he said it's done. But does that mean he was unluckily ejected or rightfully (laughs) ejected? Which one? Well, Gillen has apparently retracted the claim that he ran across two bays. uh, And yet at the time that he made that claim, he said that apparently the umpire said he'd never been more intimidated than he was by that spectator. Can can he he worried legally about saying he's sorry? Admission of fault? The, the heavy, the heavy media management at that joint is just, and there are going to be changes there. We know that they've got big issues, staffing issues inside the AFL and the way that's all structured. But it doesn't excuse. Uh, that's not a great performance. But by would Gillen be at being advised yes, to so say this or that? Oh, that seriously, yeah. he's a CEO and he's taking the advice. Well, how well does he prep himself, Caro? Well, not not we know that not always that well, but you would think he would be expecting that. He he was clearly expecting that question. You would think so. Paul from Rosanna, you're next. Hi guys, especially you, Jimmy. I'm a Bulldogs member. Why, why, why was there only twenty one thousand last week to see the the doggies beat Fremantle, and yet we've got forty four thousand members? I well, don't get it. Well, actually, can I ask that back to you? I see the doggies play a lot of Sunday afternoon games. What is the right time slot for doggies fans? I know with different clubs, they, they say, you know, the 4 o'clock games on yep. Sundays are good. They say Friday nights for other clubs. Like, I know Friday yep. nights for Geelong yep. fans, 7.50, they don't turn up because, obviously, a lot of our fans come from the Western District. It's pretty hard. What is the right time slot for a doggies fan? Oh, look, I'm pretty cool about it. I mean... I'll go whenever. I mean, if they play on Mars at, at midnight, I'll be there. Well, well they, they do. They do yeah, play yeah, on Mars. Mars. <laughs> <laughs> and going to Mars in a couple oh, of weeks' time. Line. Well yes, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff, Paul. <laughs> we've, got, we've got another Paul from Ringwood. Yeah, good morning, guys, or good afternoon. Not sure which. But look, I love football and the players and the game, but I'm definitely not interested in the coach's reaction to any decision. So why, why, why don't the coaches request one-way glass in the coaches' boxes. Oh, the, well, the coach! The coaches actually would probably love that. They would love that, but they the, would not get that in a pink fit because it's great TV. The fact is, yeah, that's in Carrow. The broadcasters love the emotion, the emotional outburst. Back when I worked very briefly with Channel Nine at the start of the 2002 very brief season. Uh, they had a terrific meeting where they got everyone, all the commentators, all the directors and so on. Gary Burns, the head of sport, was down from Sydney to talk about how Nine were going to go about it. And I remember this was an issue that came up, and uh, I reckon it drew general agreement that the shots of the coaches, uh, some of them can be the, some of the most dramatic in the game, and that you know we should be sort of uncompromising about wanting to throw those up. Now, maybe maybe they've been overdone over 15 years or more since then. Neil Danaher was a big, uh, speaking of, a big campaigner. Again, he, he felt it had to be restricted. It was bordering on harassment, some of the shots, but um, it's not as much as it was, but it's certainly still great TV. Yeah. I, think I think it goes with the territory one. I mean, every now and then, and you know it's the emotional game, and you'll almost see what happens. The coach's emotion for a second or two will explode, but then they'll be back 
in five seconds' mm. time, you know, kind of back controlled again. So it's really that's you want to get him in that one yeah. or two seconds. That's exactly. Yeah. That's well, even happens. watching how good Reece Shaw was a few weeks ago after that Gold Coast decision went against him yep. in the dying minutes. I mean, that was an, an intriguing insight into. I told me that he was maybe the right man no, for the job. He'll, eventually, he'll do that. Yeah, too. He'll, he'll lose his mind. He'll, 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 lose, he'll lose his mind. Well, he'll lose his hair. He'll <laughs> age 10 years. In we'll, the get next five. we'll get him. <laughs> <laughs> We've got uh, more callers and we have time to get Very through them all. But Ian callers. from Essendon, you're our last. Yeah, good day, Tim. Uh, just returning to the scene of the crime, if I could, because it's getting more important. Uh, why, why, why? Does Richmond get to play their last eight games at the MCG? They must have a team of analysts at the AFL who put this to the board and it would have shown up all the anomalies. And one of the anomalies was Richmond get to play. This is a last year's um, preliminary finalist. The last eight games at, seven, at the seven. MCG and they've all turned to each other and gone, yeah, that's OK. Yeah, well, that, that's the the problem when you've got so many co-tenants at the MCG. They're not all home games for the Tiggy. Tonight, tonight they're playing um, in a Melbourne home game. They played Collingwood in a Collingwood home game. But if I'm if I'm Melbourne I'm, or you know, club, I'm requesting, and it's my home game, I'm requesting to play Richmond at home because of the financial dollar that comes back to yep. you. Do you yep. think it's funny, these things? They've I mean, travelled as much as anyone from a Melbourne perspective. How many games they play at the MCG, Carrie? Do you know this year? Um, they get like 10, of their 11, 10 of their 11 <laughs> yeah, home but games. Then, but then they'll get a lot, of, lot against other Tim. teams. I'm just saying, <laughs> not right. how many times they play just at the MCG? your club made the stupid decision to oh. relocate <laughs> to Marvel Stadium. 10 of 11 home games. But then the away games, they'd be... Because obviously they play Carlton, Trice, Collingwood. But that point, I mean, when the draw comes out, Richmond say, we're playing our last seven at the MCG. And I I guess if you want to go into the draw, there's a whole lot of things that are happening. But I wonder how much it was said, oh, no, this is wrong. As opposed to, yeah, it's just happening. Because I don't know whether it is wrong. If you're playing 15 or 16... Who cares if the last seven just happen to be part They're of that? Worse, they go to Perth twice. They've had worse anomalies in the draw than playing at the MCG. We've got to get to the judge for his verdict for yes. the McCafe VIP experience, Jimmy. Yeah, yes, you can take three friends and Ewan, if you can find Ewan as well. Ewan, three friends, as you said. So, um, <laughs> Paul from Rosanna, flattery will get you everywhere, so you win, Paul. Well done, Paul. Thanks <laughs> to all our callers. He said I was a nice person. Just so. call back, Paul, the cafe VIP <laughs> experience. Ewan and three friends will experience seating in the McCafe VIP area at Marvel for next Saturday's match between Essendon and the Bulldogs, along with a $200 voucher for food and drink, all courtesy of McCafe. Smooth was it barista Paul from Rosanna coffee or Paul from 24. No, Rosanna. Oh, he was the, the one who asked about the bull. You yeah. say what they, the question was, Jimmy. Well, no, he, didn't, he could have said anything. He could have said anything he anyway. Jimmy, that was <laughs> setting a very good example. Well, I didn't say I was rank. a good judge. <laughs> it's going to be time for Tone's Twist after this. First bounce at Marble Stadium, a quarter of an hour away, Essendon versus Port Adelaide. Tony Leonard, the big man who travels by train, has just stormed down the dockside wing like the proverbial train. It is time for Tone's Twist. Welcome, good buddy. Ah, very good afternoon to everyone, all thanks to Yarra Valley and Croydon Toyota. Danny down there at uh, Yarra Valley. Croydon Toyota headed up by Robin in Hewish Road, Croydon. You want the best deal on the number one car from one of the most trusted and most successful in Australian car dealership, Yarra Valley Croydon Toyota. La, I've got two things to float. Now, I didn't have any luck the other week suggesting that for just weaving for one week, 
that no replays of umpiring decisions take place. Everyone who's involved calls it in the moment. There are no replays for one week. I got shot down with that. Everyone said that was a really bad idea. Correctly so, yep. Okay. <laughs> I've, got to come up with, I've come up with another one too. If the league can have a round 23 floating round with four or five weeks' notice, why don't we just establish the, the competition after round eight or round nine and then say for round 13, four or five weeks' time, we're going to float the round so the best games are played and the most interesting games are played in prime time, and you do that for the rest of the year. Any, any takers? Can't we have anything that is different from anywhere else in the world? Can't we just be happy, Tony, with the fact that our game is unique? It has a set fixture. I can plan a trip to Sydney in two months' time knowing I can watch my team. I can organise Friday night dinner around a certain game. That's what we love about this game. Why do we need to have a floating fixture? It would be impossible. And Caro can go overseas and know what game she's going to miss. I'll take that to know Caro. <laughs> when I say I, I'm speaking generally for the football. Uh, well, I mean, they don't even actually need a floating fixture now because they have the end of season bye. But yeah. I think they like it to have one bit of flexibility. But realistically, the clubs want a, fi- a set fixture so they know we're playing Friday night on August 21st in round 15 so they can start selling that. Yep. That's that's the reason that they only have the one floating round. It's a great rarity and a great tradition of our game, and I think it works. What are you looking so snarly about? I'm not looking snarly. Clearly, <laughs> I've got to exercise my free time a bit better. Does, any, does anyone want to go with Craig Bellamy to be the director of coaching up at the Gold Coast Suns? Hmm. Buy him out of his contract, send him the Gold Coast Suns. He's back home in Queensland, and he's the director of coaching, the most admired coach in all of sport in Australia. Might as well make him the coach. Why would he do it? Why would a rugby league genius go <laughs> into nothing AFL? Would, nothing more to achieve. Start, we love him at the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, 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 over for two. <laughs> I am over. I am over for You're two. two down in the second Here over. Here is, uh, is, is David Armstrong with a high-level injury report about an Essendon superstar. Essendon's Dyson Heppel has been sent home early from training. With the sniffles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even with that beautiful voice, I tended to. It was said in a sarcastic man. You ever had the sniffles and sent home? No, I had the chicken pox and got sent home. Uh, that, and uh, mm. he's an adult. Or from school? No, from footy. Really? Adult, adult chicken yeah, pox, I've had it. It is no joy. Clubs will send players home with the sniffles because they don't want it to spread through the club. So, in fact, trying to make sure that little viruses and little colds don't mm. spread is something that's... Like at the Saints. Is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our favourite American hot gospeling sports broadcaster, mm. Stephen A. Smith. This is how you treat talkback callers if you don't like them. Stephen A. Smith, what's up, you bona fide scrub? How are I you, man? I think you're wrong because LeBron is the best player. Start right there. Start the right game. there. Start right there. Don't you ever call up to my show again and open up disrespecting me. You don't have a right to do that. You, me. Me, you don't. You don't have a right to do that. Mind your damn manners. Yeah, being called a scrub, I have no idea what it means, but clearly it is rather like offensive. Like a scrub, I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. Justin Langer, likened uh, going to South Africa like being in a movie. You go to Cape Town. You go to Johannesburg. Woof. It's like being in the Gladiator movie. Jimmy. So, it is what it is. There's nothing we can do about oh, it. Oh, it is. Why we got it this is. It is. Well. It's okay if you're in the crowd or something. Yeah. The Gladiator yeah, just putting the thumbs down all the time. Uh, cool. Gladiator. <laughs> yeah. Fan of the movie? Yeah, love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What, what, did, what part did you fancy sort of being in it? What what part would I yeah, play? Yeah, exactly. I oh, probably yeah. one who was eliminated early. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just tap out early. You this is play, too. You don't get injured play next week. Nah, you, really? nah. Everyone loves the triumphant ring announcements for a world champion. Have a listen to this. But ladies and gentlemen, there's no way anyone beats him. Your Fortnite World Champion. 
<laughs> playing a video game. <laughs> do, do you know he won three point two million for yeah. that? More than Tiger won for the Masters and you know Wimbledon winners. He won yeah. more than them. Yeah, it's obviously Mum said, Oh, you're not going out to play baseball or cricket. <laughs> you're, Get back staying, you're staying on that Nintendo until you finish that level. <laughs> sad, uh, sad state of affairs. Hey Caro, thank you very much for being in with us today. I look forward to hearing this call because I think this is a very big game, boys. Oh, Have you, a great you, call. I'll tell you what, you can just stay up the back and, and spend the afternoon with us if you like. <laughs> Couldn't think of anything better. But maybe I won't. Hey, Tone, they haven't heard from last night. You don't have fireworks in an indoor stadium. The smoke stays in there. They did it last night, and there's been a little bit of fireworks just at the moment. Yeah, You've come late with the why, why, why. Yeah, exactly. It's a good one, though. Yeah, it is. It's just a bit like Maxwell Smart. That is the 58th time they've fallen for that this year. (laughs) It's it's the second time this month. That concludes uh, the twist for... Uh, this week, all thanks to Yarra Valley and Croydon Toyota. Tim Lane to come and join us. The Saturday afternoon team of Lee Matthews and Jimmy Bartell all set to go. We thank Caroline Wilson for being part of the pre-game. Right across Australia, let's set it up for what should be an absolute beauty. All thanks to McDonald's, the 24 Chicken McNuggets for 9.95. Available at Macca's after 10.30am across Australia. You are listening to 3 W Football.